Chapter 1 Please Stop Talking About Bright Moon How she had ended up moving to Bright Moon of all places was still hard for her to explain. It had really all started one evening when she was lounging on her couch, slightly high and a little tipsy. Scorpia sat on the floor nearby indulging in one of her guilty pleasures, looking at random property listings on the internet. Her occasional exclamations were just background noise that Catra was ignoring as she mused on whether she had enough energy to walk down to the corner market for some chips. Hey Scorp, do you want to? Her sentence trailed off as she caught a glimpse of the laptop screen. What's that place? She tumbled off the couch and ended up kneeling next to Scorpia on the floor. Oh, this is some random listing for a commercial property. It's cute I guess, but it's in pretty bad shape. Cute? That's not cute. That's fucking awesome. By now, she was leaning over Scorpia, practically sitting on her to get a better view of the screen. How is it so cheap? I mean, it obviously needs work, but still. Where is it? Her excited chatter trailed off into an extremely unenthusiastic follow-up. Oh. Bright moon. That's why. Um, wildcat? What? She snapped still scrolling through the listing. I never thought I'd be saying this to an attractive woman, but could you get your butt out of my face? Catra collapsed sideways and sprawled on the floor next to her roommate. Sorry, Scorp. Scorpia reclaimed her laptop and studied the real estate listing with interest. Why do you hate Bright Moon so much? It's actually really. Catra cut her off. Please don't say cute. Scorpia scratched her head and regarded her roommate. I was actually going to say gay. Wait, what? It's a really gay-friendly place. Yeah, they even have a pride festival every year. Catra snorted. And all five people who live there attend, I guess? Scorpia's face was doing that small disappointed smile thing that Catra hated. But as usual, she didn't verbally criticize, and instead changed the subject. Are you still thinking about starting your own business? The resulting sigh was dramatic. I mean, yeah? That would be amazing. I just don't see how I could ever afford it. Maybe start by talking to someone at the bank? I know you've been squirreling money away for years now. I bet you have enough for a down payment on something. Scorpia looked back at the listing and her brow furrowed. This place is kind of falling apart though. Catra looked back at the laptop screen and the decrepit brick edifice displayed there. She had a feeling in her gut about it, an odd certainty like it was calling to her. Usually she only got that feeling about tacos or beer. Weird. If I could be my own boss and not have inferior dudes constantly questioning my skills, or customers asking to talk to the real mechanic, working in a falling-down building would be worth it. She looked around their modest apartment. Scorpia had tried her best to make it cheerful with artwork and knick-knacks she found at thrift stores, but nothing could quite cover up the rundown feel of the space. They could afford to live somewhere nicer, but moving was a pain in the ass and rent in Fright City was always increasing. Their landlord Ms. Weaver was a nightmare to deal with, and was never willing to fix anything, but at least they weren't overpaying. She continued as Scorpia waited anxiously for her next words. And if I had my own business— I could finally get out of this shithole. 
There was only a moment for Catra to register the hurt expression on Scorpia's face before Entrapta popped out of the other room like a loud purple bush. Are you metaphorically comparing this rundown apartment building to a human anus? Scorpia looked horrified and Catra burst out into squeaky laughter. While Entrapta, you always know how to make an entrance. Their building super flipped up her goggles and frowned at Catra. I entered through the ventilation shaft in your hallway as I usually do. Entrapta had her own apartment in the building where she lived rent-free in return for being on call to make repairs. She was probably the only person in the city who could keep the ancient boiler system running, which Catra was eternally grateful for because it meant the radiators functioned properly all winter. Hi Entrapta, Scorpia said from where she still sat on the floor. I wonder what Catra meant when she said, you know. Come on, you can say it, big girl. Catra cajoled, always trying to convince her friend to let loose with profanity. You mean shithole? Entrapta interjected. Yeah, that, anyway, she wants to start her own business and move somewhere, nicer. Entrapta nodded thoughtfully. It's true that this building is approximately 42% less desirable than others in the neighborhood based on amenities and overall upkeep. However, that is mostly reflected in the difference in rent prices. But, if I can't keep Emily going through this winter, the desirability index will decline precipitously. Emily is the boiler? I thought that was Darla. Scorpia asked, sometimes unable to follow Entrapta's naming conventions for a plethora of inanimate objects. No, Darla is the elevator. Per Darla, the city inspector shut her down. But if I could just get into the elevator shaft with my climbing gear and a few tools, I believe I could make adequate repairs. Catra cleared her throat, diverting Entrapta's attention back to her original purpose. Oh, yes, I came here to tell you something. Both Catra and Scorpia waited with raised eyebrows. Entrapta smiled at them and the seconds ticked by. Oh. I wanted to say hello, and see if you were both doing well. Then she beamed and stared at them, waiting for a response. Um, yes, Entrapta, I'm doing well. No complaints, came Catra's slightly confused response. Odd, you generally have many complaints. Sometimes you have a long sequence of complaints that you share in a loud tone, interspersed with profanity. Uh, you curse a lot, Wildcat. Scorpius said, in the gentle tone she always used when trying to point out one of Catra's many bad habits. Fuck yeah I do! And Entrapta, no complaints, is just one of those basic things you say. It isn't meant to be literal. You know, like someone says, how are you? And you say, fine. Even if you aren't, then you move on. Entrapta moved closer and peered at Catra with interest. Oh, tell me more. What other things do people say and not mean? Wait, why are you asking us how we're doing anyway? That's not how you usually roll. If by roll, you mean speak, then yes. I'm trying out some new communication patterns. But why? Scorpia asked. You communicate just fine. You know more words than anyone I've ever met. I had a session with a job coach who suggested I work more on something called small talk which apparently is how people in workplaces communicate with each other. A job coach? Are you looking for a new job? Are you leaving us? I don't want you to leave us. But a new opportunity, that's exciting. 
Scorpia exclaimed, swinging between excitement and dismay. It seems like a good time to explore other options. Given Ms. Weaver's management style, the current state of this building, and the increasing rents in the area, I predict that there's an 82% chance that this building is sold and renovated within the next two years. Scorpia looked upset and unsure of what to say. Catra just crossed her arms and said in a dry tone, Maybe we all need to start exploring our options. Over the next few weeks, Scorpia continued to subtly prod Catra to consider Bright Moon as an option. Scorpia's version of subtlety was about as Loki as an alligator being catapulted into a lake. Which is to say, big, splashy, and eye-catching. She'd started by casually, not casually, mentioning how reasonable the cost of living was in Bright Moon as compared to Fright City. This, random, conversation started by her pretending to trip over the coffee table with an exaggerated shout of, Oh dear! and sending a thick folder of magazines and internet articles flying open at Catra's feet. It was so obnoxiously contrived that one of Catra's eyes got stuck for a second after how hard she rolled them. Next, Scorpia, accidentally, left her laptop hooked up to the TV, so when Catra turned it on to watch epic fail videos on YouTube, the property listing was displayed there. The remaining visible browser tabs were all about how to get a loan, credit ratings, and air quality comparisons between Brighton Moon and other nearby cities. Almost as soon as she turned the TV on, her roommate was there, apologizing for leaving her laptop connected. I was just doing some research. You know, just keeping some things in mind. Air quality, Scorpia? Catra snarled, gesturing at the screen. What are you, a suburban dad? I just need to be conscious because of my asthma, Scorpia said, nonchalantly slipping back into her room and forgetting to unhook her laptop. You don't have asthma, Catra shouted at her already closed door. Unbeknownst to Scorpia, Catra had already saved the link to the listing and looked at it multiple times a day to see if it was still on the market. She had dreams after all. After another two weeks of Scorpia's subtlety, Catra was ready to fake her own death and move to another country. She'd endured looking at a seemingly infinite number of blog posts about hip local spots in Bright Moon, sitting idly by as Scorpia used cost-of-living calculators to compare Bright Moon and Fright City, and waking up to her phone blowing up with notifications from her roommate sharing Instagram posts with hashtag GayBrightMoon as the hashtag. She had to admit, the posts did feature a lot of attractive and seemingly queer people including a whole slew from a cute purple-haired girl who looked like her makeup was done by a gay man with a fetish for Japanese tween cheerleaders. That's the mayor's daughter. She's in charge of the town's social media presence. Scorpia had told her about fifty times now. That's great. Please stop showing me pictures of glitter and her gay posse. Her lack of enthusiasm and at times, outright hostility, had as much effect on Scorpia's spirits as usual which is to say, literally none. When she found herself faking a hangover just so she could hide in her room to avoid looking at more articles about Bright Moon's new bike share program, she realized that something had to change. The next day, she pulled into the bank parking lot, took a deep breath, and walked through the doors with as much gusto as she could manage. Unfortunately, her show of confidence caused the heavy door to fly open with more force than she'd intended 
glancing off the arm of the security guard walking past the entrance. His coffee went flying to splash right onto the torso of a well-dressed man who yelped, backpedaled, and knocked a whole pile of paperwork off the desk next to him. Everyone in the building turned and stared. Katra flipped off her sunglasses, tucked them into a pocket of her leather jacket, and said into the silence, I'm here about alone. The echoes of her pronouncement had barely stopped echoing before a harried-looking man in a tie quickly ushered her through and into a small office where another more well-built man was sitting behind the desk. Katra gave a quick glance at the shiny nameplate on the desk, Mr. Lasher, before taking a seat. The first man disappeared and she turned her attention to the man behind the desk. How can I help you today? His tone was boring, even dismissive and after a lifetime of being underestimated, Katra simply did not deal with that shit. I'm sorry, I don't think we've been properly introduced, she responded, acid in her tone. I'm Katra Horde. And you are? Tongue Lasher. I'm a personal banker. She had been about to reach out to shake his hand, but at the sound of his full name, sat back down, unable to fully muffle a squeaky laugh. Is there a problem, Ms. Horde? Just, is that your name? His face reddened and she could see a vein in his thick neck start to bulge out slightly. She did her best to wrestle a serious expression onto her face as he cleared his throat pointedly and glared at her, professionally. Yes, that is my name. Now, what kind of loan are you looking for? I'm considering buying a commercial property to start my own business. I see. He paused to look her up and down and Katra wondered if she should have worn pants without rips slashed across the knees. Nah. We'll have to start by checking your credit and then looking at some other factors. What kind of other factors? Any debt you have, how much you have available for a down payment, the total value of the loan. Those kinds of things. His tone was still dripping with thinly veiled disdain. Her eyes narrowed and she leaned back in her chair eyeing him for a moment before replying in a supremely bored tone. Is there someone else I can speak with? Maybe a manager? His jaw clenched, but he managed to cling to a few shreds of composure in his next response. I assure you, Ms. Horde, I'm perfectly capable of assisting you. You seem perfectly capable of being a dick, came her calm rejoinder. It looked like his face was going to explode and he barely managed to choke back what were likely some choice expletives and turn them into an extremely fake-sounding cough. That's your rebuttal? Come on, let it out, Lasher. He finally snapped and half-stood, leaning over the desk towards her. Her response was to pop out of her chair and grab the end of his tie, hauling him even further forward. Whatever epic brawl was about to happen was interrupted by another man in a suit scurrying into the room with a very strange smile plastered across his face. Miss Horde, maybe I can help you in my office? She let go of the tie and stood, looking unruffled. Tongue Lasher sank down into his chair and tried to look innocent. It didn't work at all. The other man hurried Catra down a hallway into a much larger and more ornate office and politely pulled out a chair for her. I'm the bank manager and I'd like to apologize for that situation. Now, let's see what we can do about a loan. A surprisingly short time later, Katra was walking back outside, a sheaf of paperwork in her hand. Apparently, if you had excellent credit and were a huge enough pain in the ass, you could get approved for a loan in record time. 
Once she was sitting in her car, she pulled out her phone and dialed a saved number. Hello? I'm interested in a commercial property in Bright Moon. I was hoping to come by and see it sometime next weekend. Chapter 2 Road Trip Scorpia's face was a picture of joy. She was in the passenger seat, practically bouncing with enthusiasm as she pointed out mostly unremarkable landmarks along the side of the road. In the driver's seat, Catra rolled her eyes as Scorpia chartered excitedly about some goats she saw in a field, but she was finding the excitement somewhat infectious. In the back seat, Entrapta was, as usual, fiddling with her phone but did occasionally glance up to pay attention to something Scorpia was pointing out. Catra hadn't told either of her friends about her visit to the bank, or the loan she had procured, not being one to share until something was a done deal. It hadn't been difficult to convince Scorpia to go on a road trip to Bright Moon. In fact, the hardest part of setting things up was not giving in to the idea too easily and thus arousing Scorpia's suspicions. It had all gone down over the course of the previous week. Catra needed to go to Bright Moon to see the property, and had even arranged a meeting with a realtor there. But she knew that if she tried to disappear for a whole day with no explanation, her roommate would be blowing up her phone within hours. And since Entrapta was almost certainly hacking her phone, her chances of getting away with a cover story were slim. She couldn't pretend she had to work, because Scorpia always called to check in and give her affirmations, and none of her co-workers were likely to lie for her. No, if she was going to Bright Moon, she was going to have to bring her friends with her. The first step was easy. She simply left a regional travel magazine on the kitchen table open to a page featuring Bright Moon as a fun day trip destination. Scorpia of course took the bait, and when Catra got home from work, her roommate started waving the magazine at her like she was conducting an orchestra on speed. Catra! I thought of a great idea! Yeah, what's that? Super Pal Trio Road Trip. To Bright Moon. This weekend. Bright Moon! Why do you want to go there? Catra asked trying to keep as disinterested a tone as possible as she reached into the fridge and pulled out a beer. Scorpia looked astonished at her question. Have you not been reading all those articles and blog posts I've been sending you? It's an amazing place. Plus, this weekend there's a craft fair and a farmer's market. Catra cracked open the can and took a long swallow. Ha, huh, seems kind of boring. Scorpia just stared at her aghast, and Catra felt a tiny twinge of guilt. Look, I'm not a cottagecore lesbian like you, okay? That's just not my scene. Just think about it, okay? I already texted Entrapta and she's free. It would have to be Sunday, Catra said, filling her tone with as much grudging reluctance as she could muster. Sunday works for me. I'll think about it, okay? No promises. She quickly ducked into her room to avoid Scorpia's pleading puppy dog eyes. The next day... The magazine was back on the kitchen table, open to the article, this time with a note on top that said, Please? With hearts drawn around it. Underneath was a drawing of what she assumed was the three of them in a car. The main clues being that the rectangle vehicle was resting on large circles tires. Super Pal Trio was written next to it with an arrow pointing to three broken-looking stick figures. Scorpia never had been much of an artist. After slapping a post-it note with the word maybe scribbled across it on top of Scorpia's note, she quickly headed off to work. 
She managed to drag things out for two more painful days, and finally pretended to give in. The three of them were sitting on the floor working their way through a pile of takeout. As predicted, Scorpio was talking about Bright Moon. Her current tactic was to tell Entrapta interesting things about the town while shooting frequent, completely obvious glances at Catra out of the corner of her eye. After swallowing the last bite of her sixth crab rangoon, Catra let out a tortured groan. Fine. We can go to Bright Moon this weekend. Scorpia cheered, spilled fried rice all over her leg, and continued cheering. Entrapta tossed her chopsticks in the air in solidarity. Why are we shouting? She shouted. Oh, wildcat. Thank you. I know this trip is going to be so fun. Super pal trio bonding. She brushed fried rice off her pants and continued with unbroken enthusiasm. I just got the oil changed in my Camry, so she is ready for the road. Oh no, Catra cut in. We are not taking your boring sedan. We'll take my car. If I have to go to Bright Moon, I'm not rolling up looking like some lost soccer mom. Okay, then I'll be in charge of snacks. Tiny snacks? Of course, Entrapta. Good, then I'll be the DJ. I'll start making a playlist right now. Entrapta whipped out her phone. Please don't make it all obscure EDM tracks this time. Catra pleaded. No promises. So here there were, more than halfway to Bright Moon. It wasn't such a bad drive, and Catra was extremely grateful to be behind the wheel of her own car rather than in the passenger seat of Scorpia's as her roommate drove like a nervous grandpa. Anytime they rode together, Catra would try to coax her into going at least the speed limit. Scorpia would just smile and say, Safety first without removing her hands from their firm ten and two positions on the steering wheel. Catra, on the other hand, did her best to tone down her notorious tendency to speed whenever her friends were in the car with her. Entrapta didn't mind, but sometimes forgot to put her seatbelt on, and Scorpia would wildly grab for the car door handle at the slightest bump. Anyway, her car was her baby, so she did her best to drive safely. It was a 1969 Chevy Chevelle that she meticulously restored from a busted-up, stripped-down hulk to a beautiful, shining, specimen that turned heads wherever she went. She painted it a bright candy apple red and added a logo she'd designed. In shiny black. It consisted of black diamond on the hood and a black dragon wing arching gracefully up each side. She slipped into a quick daydream of that logo above the door of her new business. Horde Classics repairs and restorations. That dream could maybe come true in Bright Moon. She shook her head to clear away these thoughts and reached for the large cup sitting in the console. Fountain Dr. Pepper. The best road trip drink. Entrapta was flipping through her phone for a new playlist she'd put together and found it with a jarring. Aha! She had helped Catra with a few aspects of the restoration which included a Bluetooth-capable sound system cleverly hidden behind a vintage-looking front face. Entrapta had suggested many other additions to the car, but Catra had shot most of them down, insisting that the car maintain its classic look both inside and out. But there seemed to be a few things she had tinkered with that Catra still hadn't figured out. The car somehow got way better gas mileage than it should, which was a relief because she really didn't want to spend a fortune on gasoline. The new playlist started with the guitar intro to Bad Moon Rising. Once I found out we were taking your car, I made a playlist of top hits from 1969. It's been a very interesting journey. 
Soon they were all singing along, with even Entrapta joining in, though she only knew some of the words. When they finally got to the bright moon city limits, Scorpia insisted they stop the car to take a picture with the welcome sign. Entrapta propped her phone up on the hood and set a timer, then scrambled over to stand with her friends in front of the large sign with Welcome to Bright Moon, displayed in large letters underneath a vibrant rainbow. The three of them looked at the selfie, and though Catra's only comment was, Gay, she couldn't help but smile as she said it. The sense of anticipation that had been welling up over the last couple weeks rose up in her chest, and she quickly checked her watch. Her appointment with the realtor was in about an hour, so she needed to figure out how to distract her friends long enough to slip away. Okay, photo op over. Let's go find that queer coffee shop you keep going on about. Scorpia lit up like a Christmas tree. Cloud Wives Cafe? Oh, you're going to love it, Wildcat. It has to be better than the coffee you usually get. It had better be. That's a pretty low bar. Because Catra refused to patronize any of the companies that were part of Prime Industries, her coffee choices were limited. The only place near their apartment that wasn't one of the eerily similar righteous coffee locations was a diner that served excellent breakfast food, though extremely mediocre coffee. But the acidic green of the righteous coffee logo never failed to twist something in her stomach, and despite the enticing smells that wafted out, she couldn't bring herself to actually walk through those always gleaming doors. Her first impression of Cloud Wives Cafe was that it was, goddess help her, extremely cute. The chime at the door tinkled pleasantly as they entered, and the smell of baked goods and brewing coffee assailed their noses in a warm, pleasing wave. At the sight of mismatched tables and chairs, rainbow decorations, and plants vining across the front windows, Scorpia's eyes instantly started shooting hearts everywhere. After a moment, Entrapta bounced towards the counter, squealing when she caught sight of the handcrafted espresso cups. Catra followed at a more leisurely pace, examining the menu on the chalkboard above the counter. At the sound of their entrance, a tall woman with striking pink hair appeared from the back. She smiled at all of them, a soft welcoming expression. Welcome to our cafe. None of you look familiar. Is this your first time in Bright Moon? Entrapta's response was a brief. Yes. And Scorpia did some expected gushing. Once her friend had finished, Catra added. We're here on a day trip from Fright City. Well, welcome to the town. I'm Spinnerella, one of the owners. Can I get something started for you? Entrapta was still fascinated by the tiny cups, so Catra stepped forward. Could you do a peppermint latte, but split it up between four espresso cups? I know it sounds weird, but you'll totally make her day. Spinnerella's smile didn't falter. Not a problem at all. Catra continued. I'll have a café au lait, and then this one will take a honey harvest latte, and the bill. She gestured for Scorpia who obediently handed over a credit card, still seemingly enchanted by the surroundings. Anything to eat? Catra took a look at the display case. A couple of the savory scones, whichever you recommend. And some of those mini apple cider donuts. Spinnerella's smile widened as she finished entering the order and ran Scorpia's card. Perfect. I'll have that all to you in just a few minutes. Sit wherever you like. The three of them had just gotten comfortable on a squishy couch when someone came storming out of the back and over to Spinnerella, who was working on their drink order. Where is Perfuma with that product? 
We can't serve the lunch special without it. Spinarella replied in a placating tone. She probably just lost track of time again. Is that code for getting blazed out of her mind? Spinarella snorted and then nodded at the trio on the couch who were watching avidly. At least, Catra was watching avidly. Entrapta was whispering something into her voice recorder as she glanced around the building, and Scorpio was still beaming as she gazed out the window. The annoyed woman caught Catra's eye and shrugged, then busied herself with helping Spinarella. A few minutes later, the two of them worked together to carry over the assortment of cups and plates, and soon there were three satisfied customers making pleased, and in two cases, overly loud, sounds about everything. Spinarella had accepted the compliments with a nod and a smile before returning to the counter to serve another customer who had just walked in. The second woman stayed behind, seating herself in an armchair near the couch. I'm Natasa, the other owner. Spinarella said you're visiting from Fright City? As usual, Catra let Scorpia field the first round of small talk. We sure are. I've been wanting to visit for a while, and I finally convinced these two to come along. She took another sip of her drink, exclaiming, This is so good. I have no idea what's in it, but it's amazing. Local honey, homemade pumpkin spice syrup, and a kick of fresh ginger. Plus, you know, love. Natasa responded with a chuckle. Gay love? Katra asked, one eyebrow arching sardonically. Natasa just gave her a wicked grin in response. The best kind there is. I'll give you folks some space. Let us know if there's anything else you need. Katra turned back to her friends and lifted her mug. Cheers to good gay coffee. Scorpia lifted her mug so enthusiastically she almost lost her grip and tossed it at the ceiling, and Entrapta picked up a tiny cup in each hand and then clinked them together. I made a toast. A glance at her watch showed Katra that it was almost time for her to sneak away and meet the realtor. Thankfully, the office was just a couple blocks away. She took her phone out of her pocket, intending to pretend to take a phone call, when the coffee shop door opened again, and a tall, thin blonde woman in a flowy dress staggered in under the weight of a large wooden crate crammed with vegetables. It barely made it through the door, and as she stumbled through, Scorpia jumped up to assist her, whisking the crate from her arms and cradling it easily. Oh, thank you. Wow, you're very strong. Scorpia looked down locked eyes with her, and blushed. The two of them stood there unblinking, for long moments. That silence was enough to draw Entrapta's attention away from the last of the mini donuts, and she watched their standoff with interest, already reaching for her voice recorder. Catra used this distraction to slink out through the door behind this new mystery woman. Scorpia didn't even register her passing by. She walked quickly down the street, through what appeared to be a vibrant city center with shops, restaurants, and a surprising number of people moving down the sidewalks. She made a mental note of the location of a bar called the Crimson Waste, and continued until she saw the sign for Star Realty. As she approached, a striking woman with warm brown skin and a mop of wavy blonde hair stepped out of the building and smiled at her. It was so infectious that she couldn't help but smile back, and then the woman took another step forward saying, Hopefully you're Katra and I'm not harassing a random tourist. H.M., she's cute. That's me. Though I'm sure no one would be offended by you smiling at them. 
She extended a hand and added an extra hint of lazy charm to her smile. Starla, it's nice to meet you. Her handshake was firm, and her smile didn't waver, though Catra was gratified to make out a slight blush dusting her cheeks. Heh, I've still got it. Would you like a ride over to the property? It's only about a ten-minute walk from here, but that's considered a pretty far distance in Bright Moon. Unfortunately, I don't have that much time today, so let's drive. They made casual conversation on the short trip over, and Katra found herself becoming interested in Bright Moon despite her long-standing policy of pointlessly hating it. The high number of attractive queer people she'd seen so far hadn't hurt her impression. If they'd had more time, Katra would have asked about the local scene, but soon they were pulling up in front of a ramshackle building. The original sign was rusted, and a few windows were boarded up, but compared to some of the wrecks she'd seen in Fright City, this building was charming. She started walking towards it, fascinated, while Starla trailed behind, giving her details in a slightly apologetic tone. It's been empty for quite some time. There's a gas station on the other side of town that does some minor repair work, and otherwise people have to take their cars to one of the bigger cities nearby. There was some initial interest, but since it's too small to convert into an apartment building and too far from the city center to get much foot traffic, no one has ended up making any offers. Let's go inside, she said, fighting to keep the excitement from her voice. After a few moments of fumbling with the slightly rusted lock, they walked into the dark and dusty space. Catra breathed in the musty smell, catching a tinge of motor oil with a sense of near reverence. The majority of the first level was open space with a concrete floor and large garage doors on opposite sides. There was also an office space separated by a thin wall and a window that looked out on the shop floor. Everything was dusty, and the corners were cluttered with boxes, bins, and what could be machinery covered in oil-spattered drop cloths or tarps. After giving Katra a few minutes to poke around, Starla asked, Would you like to see the upstairs? Absolutely. The realtor unlocked another door on the other side of the office that led to a stairwell. Katra's heavy boots thudded loudly against the wooden steps as she ascended, with Starla trailing in a more demure manner. The upstairs space was just as dirty as the ground floor, with cobwebs gathered in the corners, but was completely empty except for a small wooden table in one corner. The floor was hardwood and there were several large windows letting in the late morning sunlight. As she prowled around, Catra was filled with an increasing sense of certainty. This was it. Starla was looking at her apprehensively, no doubt ready to be told, no thanks, by another potential buyer. I'm definitely interested. She paused, and her smile took on a harder edge. But let's talk price. While Scorpia might have been too distracted to see Catra slipping away, Entrapta definitely noticed. For a moment, she considered trailing after her, but the spectacle of Scorpia frozen like a statue and, uncharacteristically, just as silent, was too intriguing. Stealthily, she pulled out her voice recorder and began muttering notes to herself about the interaction that was unfolding in front of her. Having such unrestricted access to observing her two best, and only, Friends for so many years had taught Entrapta a lot about human nature. It was especially helpful that Scorpia and Catra were basically polar opposites, so she got a different take on pretty much every situation. Scorpia appears to be frozen in place, in a silent standoff with this yet unknown hippie woman. 
Based on the noticeable smell of marijuana, it is possible that Scorpia got a contact high from her proximity to this person and fell asleep standing up. Though, as her eyes are open and her cheeks are slightly flushed, perhaps there is a different cause of this paralysis? From the other end of the shop, Natasha's voice rang out impatiently. Earth to Perfuma! I need those veggies in the kitchen like yesterday. This finally snapped both women out of their reverie. Oh, um, would you mind bringing this to the back for me? I can show you where it goes. I'd be really grateful. That sweet voice seemed to have snared Scorpia, and she just nodded dumbly and followed Perfuma across the shop like an overgrown puppy. Entrapta was about to make some additional notes when her attention was caught by a flashing light outside. She whipped her head around, and through the window of the opposite building, she caught a bright flicker of red. She waited to see if it happened again but saw nothing. Scorpia had disappeared. Into the kitchen, so with a shrug, she left the coffee shop and scampered across the street. There was a small sign next to the door. HK Technology Group, which was a business she'd never heard of. She gave an experimental tug on the door handle, and it was unlocked. So, in typical Entrapta fashion, she opened the door and walked in without hesitation. The inside was mostly dark and seemed empty, but she caught another flash of light and heard someone muttering nearby, so she continued farther into the building. Coming around a corner, she found a man hunched over a piece over machinery that was connected to a large sign that also appeared to say HK Technology Group. He tinkered with a switch and then, with another bright red flash, the sign lit up and then quickly went out again. The man slammed his tool down on the tabletop and let out a deep sigh of frustration, hopping backwards like a startled frog when Entrapta suddenly said, I think I know what your problem is. Without waiting for a response, she moved forward and started tinkering with the wiring. Aha! Just as I suspected. With a few more quick motions, she flipped the switch again, and this time the sign lit up with a steady red glow. Beaming, she looked up at the watching figure, and then started to make her way back towards the entrance. Okay, bye, she said in a bright tone. Wait. She swiveled around to face him, and he continued. Who are you? Oh, I'm Entrapta. She stuck out her hand aggressively, and he shook it, still looking puzzled. Hordak. Are you here about the job? I didn't think anyone was coming in today. Job? Oh, no. I'm just visiting Bright Moon with my friends. I was in the cafe over there and saw a flashing light and came over to investigate. Are you an engineer? Entrapta considered the question carefully. I do not currently have the academic or professional qualifications to officially be called an engineer but I have taught myself many things that fall under the realm of what is considered engineering. Hordak looked between her and the sign. Do you know anything about computers? Coding? Software design? I have created some of my own software, and I've taught myself to code in several languages. Are you open to a new job opportunity? I need more information so I could consider all the variables. That's wise. I apologize for being so informal. I'm working alone at the moment, and my progress has been disappointing. Entrapta stood bouncing on her toes, suddenly remembering all the times she'd been warned by her friends, mostly Scorpia, not to talk to strangers. Catra usually just told her that if someone messed with her, 
or in Catra's words, started creeping, to scream loudly and hit them with the heaviest tools she had on her person. It was a valid threat as her pockets invariably contained something made of solid metal, with a sharp edge or both. But this person, Hordak, didn't seem like he was threatening her, and he was maintaining a respectful distance. At her silence, Hordak continued, Perhaps I could call you and we can discuss all the variables? Okay. Entrapta scribbled down her phone number on a random scrap of paper she found in one of her pockets and held it out to him. A small smile crossed his stern face. Thank you. I look forward to further conversation. Entrapta was already heading off down the hall. Bye, Hordak! Catra managed to make it back to the cafe before Scorpia could send out a search party, mostly because she'd gotten caught up in a long conversation with Perfuma. In fact, Scorpia hadn't even noticed that Entrapta left and came back. By the time Perfuma wandered off again to get set up at the farmer's market, Entrapta was bluntly questioning Spinarella about Hordak and his business. I don't know him very well. He moved here fairly recently and from what I can tell, spends most of his time working. He comes over occasionally for lunch though. Doesn't talk much, but a good tipper. Unbeknownst to Spinarella, Entrapta had been surreptitiously recording her words, determined to get as much information as possible so she could make an informed decision should Hordak end up contacting her. Wildcat! Where did you go? Catra used her knowledge of Scorpia's interests against her friend by making a mumbled excuse about taking a walk, and then quickly followed it up by saying a sentence that included the words, Farmer's Market. Scorpia was immediately distracted and started bustling them out the door, pausing only to give a sweeping wave towards Natasa and Spinarella who were watching them leave with amused smiles. Once they were out of sight, Natasa turned to her wife. Wanna bet on whether any of them get pulled into this queer vortex of a town? Well, based on my past few wins. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I seem to remember that I won the last bet. Seahawk did set his workshop on fire twice in one month. You said it couldn't happen. I have no idea how he does it with both Bao and Mermista on fire watch. The man has a gift. But that doesn't count anyway. We're talking about our bright moon new citizen bets only. Natasa crossed her arms. Fine, fine. What's your bet? I'll say that one of them will move here within the next six months. Okay, I'll take that bet, but I'll up the stakes and say that two of them will have moved here in that time. They shook hands firmly and formally and then Spinarella leaned in for a kiss that lasted a few moments too long for it to be totally appropriate for a place of business. Chapter 3 Entrapta's Dilemma Entrapta was puzzled. This in itself wasn't unusual as she regularly challenged herself with new tasks and new problems. However, this was a different kind of challenge. Interpersonal communication. Alone in her apartment, she spoke into her voice recorder. Friendship Dilemma 72, no, 73. How to best break the news to my friends that I am moving away. She drummed her fingers against the edge of her cluttered desk. The length of our friendship and the number of hours we have spent together in social engagement suggests that I should make a direct and intentional pronouncement. However, as this is an exciting opportunity for me, the tone should be positive. What would set a positive tone while still portraying the right gravity? Hmm, more research is needed. 
after several hours on the internet that were only briefly derailed by videos of kittens dressed like cupcakes, Entrapta had a plan. She continued her previous voice memo. My research has helped me formulate a plan. Balloons. They are apparently presented in various situations, both joyful and serious, and can be accompanied by food, like cake or tiny cupcakes. Planning will commence as soon as I finish watching this series of videos of ducklings riding on Roombas. The next evening, she was standing outside her friend's apartment door in her best pair of overalls, holding a large bunch of balloons and a box of tiny cupcakes. She tried to knock, but the balloons in her hand kept fluttering wildly against the door frame, so she settled for kicking the door a few times. The loud irregular thudding echoed down the hallway. She could hear someone approaching from the other side and the muffled sound of voices before the door swung open and Katra stood there with a scowl. Hello? She shouted enthusiastically, shaking the fistful of balloons which danced towards Katra as if they were determined to smack her in the face. In response, Katra jumped back with a yelp, growling out, What the hell? and crashed into Scorpia who had come up right behind her, curious to see what the commotion was. Entrapta? What are you doing? Katra sounded annoyed and was still scowling from where she was crowded up against Scorpia's chest with the balloons still drifting towards her face. Scorpia did not look annoyed, and she exclaimed excitedly when she eyed what Entrapta was holding. Oh, is it a party? What are we celebrating? Come on in. Scorpia pulled Katra back out of the doorway, allowing space for Entrapta to enter. She skipped into the apartment and kicked the door closed behind her. The three of them stood in an awkward triangle, not speaking. Entrapta was beaming at her friends, Scorpia was smiling uncertainly back, and Catra was busy examining the collection of balloons. Most of them said congratulations, in some form, but there was also a purple cat, a rainbow, and most oddly, what looked like a llama made of fireworks. So, Catra prompted, gesturing at the balloons. What are the congratulations all about? I wanted to celebrate this exciting new opportunity, because the two of you are my best friends. She beamed, momentarily forgetting that she hadn't yet told them about the opportunity. Scorpia got so excited about the fact that there was a new opportunity, and that something was being celebrated that she let out a cheer. Catra's scowl morphed into an almost sheepish expression. How did you find out about this in Trapta? I got a phone call yesterday. It was a bit of a surprise given the initial impression, but still very exciting. She waved the balloons around wildly. A phone call? Why would you get a phone call? What? What? What are you both saying? What? Thor? The three of them stared at each other again, each unsure of how to proceed. Entrapta studied Catra's body language, noting the way she was chewing her lip. It was one of her easiest calls. Oh, you feel guilty about something. Catra's eyes widened and Scorpia's mouth fell open. That was out loud, wasn't it? Scorpia and Catra both stared at Entrapta for a moment, as she looked curiously between the two of them. Then, as her words registered, Scorpia spun to stare at Catra instead. Wait, what does she mean you feel guilty? What's going on, Wildcat? What's happening here? Catra sighed dramatically. I went to the bank a few weeks ago to see about getting a loan, and... 
She paused and smirked as she recalled the mayhem that had entailed before continuing. Anyway, long story short I got the loan, and maybe I kind of sort of bought that old service station in Bright Moon. Her words trailed off in an uncharacteristically high-pitched squeak, and Scorpia leaned forward to catch the end of the sentence. Catra tracked the confused look on Scorpia's face and then the dawning understanding and had a split second to try and evade before she was scooped up and crushed in Scorpia's burly arms. As she felt her internal organs smashing together, she wondered if this hug beat the previous record for Titus Scorpia hug. The current winner before this moment was a hug she'd received when Scorpia found her crying over sad animal videos on the evening of her 30th birthday followed closely by the hug she'd received earlier that day in honor of that same birthday. Once her feet were back on the ground and enough oxygen had filtered back. Into her brain, she asked Entrapta, How did you find out though? I didn't tell anyone yet. Did you hack into my phone again? To answer your last question first, I can neither confirm nor deny hacking. You know that means yes, right? Katra interrupted dryly. Entrapta continued as if she hadn't heard. And to answer the first question, I didn't find out. This is the first I've heard of your real estate purchase. That's exciting. Does the building have any old machinery? Because I could come and... Katra interrupted again, more insistently. But why the balloons that say? Congratulations. Then? Entrapta blinked at her. Katra waved her arm at the balloons. Scorpia stood there scratching her head. Finally, Entrapta responded. Oh, I get it now. You thought this was a message for you from me. Ah, uh, yeah? Entrapta swung the balloons forward again, and this time they attacked both her friends in a wild, whirling cloud. These are a message from me about me to you. What? Katra shouted as she tried to detach balloons from her now frizzy hair. I got a job in Bright Moon. Entrapta shouted, following it with a screeching, gleeful laugh, as she released the balloons into their apartment. She then extended the box she was holding. Tiny cupcake? About thirty minutes later, the balloons were corralled, Catra's hair had been tamed, and Scorpia had finally stopped crying. Though, to be more accurate, she'd simply exhausted her ability to produce tears and was currently rehydrating. I can't believe my two besties are leaving me. What will happen to the Super Pal Trio? This, or a similar version of those words, had been her nearly constant refrain since Entrapta had sprung her news. Catra was clenching her jaw and massaging her temples, needing some respite from Scorpia's intermittent wails and Entrapta's loud consumption of all the carbonated beverages in their apartment. She sat up, loudly cleared her throat, and slammed her hands down on the kitchen counter. Okay. Here's what's going to happen. Entrapta is going to tell us about her new job, then completely against my better judgment I'm going to ask the two of you to help me move, and then we're going out for celebratory drinks because... She was briefly cut off by a loud sniffle from Scorpia. Because this is a good thing. Right? Entrapta nodded vigorously, and Scorpia more grudgingly. Good. Now, Entrapta, you're up. What's this new job? It's with a new startup tech company. I met the leader, CEO, person, when we went on our road trip to Bright Moon. It's right across the street from the cafe with the cute tiny cups. I wandered in and noticed an issue with some of his wiring, so I fixed it. 
I guess he was impressed because he called the other day and offered me a job. After she finished, she just sat there, beaming. Catra's attempt at an encouraging smile was twisted into a pained grimace as Scorpia blubbered. No more road trips to Bright Moon, though. Just me, alone in my car, which makes it super pal solo. Entrapta frowned and gave Scorpia a few light pats on the shoulder. There, there. That task completed, she turned to Catra. Okay, now per your previous plan, you have to grudgingly ask us to help you move and then we can go get adult beverages. Catra looked between Scorpia, who was currently slumped over and sniffling into the arm of the couch to Entrapta, who was about to start bouncing off the walls after all the sugar and caffeine she'd consumed, and groaned, letting her head fall forward and rest against the countertop. She felt a series of light pats against her back. There, there. Somehow, it did help. As Scorpia slid the rear door of the U-Haul shut and carefully checked that the latch was secured, Catra took one last look at the building that had been her home for the past few years. Then she flashed two middle fingers at it and turned away with a dismissive shrug. Entrapta was already in the truck, bouncing excitedly in the middle of the bench seat. She was sipping from a giant energy drink through an elaborate twisty straw, so no doubt they were in for several hours of high-speed rambling about her new tech job. Before Scorpia could insist on one last selfie of the two of them in front of the apartment building, she'd already taken a whole series over the course of the morning. Catra swung herself up and into the driver's seat. Her friend reluctantly climbed into the passenger seat. Scorpia sighed deeply, as if life had lost all its color. Entrapta giggled maniacally and kicked her feet against the dash. Catra started the engine and checked the mirrors carefully before pulling away from the curb. As she did, she noticed Weaver's oversized car parked in her usual self-designated location, directly in front of the building and right in the middle of the fire lane. The woman refused to ever move her car from this illegal and very convenient spot. Once, Catra had seen her drive a city worker to tears when he tried to convince her to temporarily park somewhere else so some street repairs could be completed. As she passed by, Catra swung the wheel in a perfectly timed move that caught Weaver's side mirror on the front edge of the truck and ripped it off in a satisfying crunch of metal and glass. After making sure she hadn't jostled the trailer that her own car was sitting on, she hit the gas, heading for the city limits with all the speed the heavily laden truck could muster, laughing until tears rolled down her cheeks. Oh, I wish I could see that asshole's face when she sees her car. Scorpia looked confused, concerned and like she was trying to hold back a smile all at the same time, leading to her face scrunching up awkwardly in several different directions. Entrapta took one last slurp from her straw, tossed the now empty can under the seat, and cracked open a fresh energy drink that she pulled from, somewhere. Catra wasn't sure where she'd had it stashed, but then again, those overalls had a lot of pockets. I also wish I could see her face. It would be interesting to catalog her responding anger level to see if it exceeds the previous levels that I have observed. What's the top anger level you've observed? Katra asked, always ready to hear a story of something going wrong for Weaver. Entrapta took a solid minute to ponder the question. I believe the highest anger level I was able to personally observe was her outburst at the corner market on 6th Street. They stopped carrying her favorite brand of boxed wine, and she threw a loaded magazine rack through the window. Scorpia seemed baffled by that one. Wow, how was she able to lift something that heavy? 
she looks so thin and frail. Unholy strength from her communion with the dark side? Catra mused. Or maybe meth. Entrapta didn't respond, and from the absent look on her face, Catra assumed that she was doing equations in her head. This assumption was proved correct a moment later. Based on the presumed weight of the magazine rack, the force required to achieve enough acceleration to throw it through the window, and my assumption of Weaver's body mass, it seems impossible that she should have been capable of that physical feat. They all mulled that over. Oh man. I still have to live in that building with her. What if she finds out I was in the truck when you hit her car? What if she haunts me, or, or, takes my soul? Normally, Catra would make fun of Scorpia when she worried like this, but she was feeling a little guilty for leaving her friend behind. She'd left an envelope of cash in the apartment because Scorpia refused to accept any money from her, and it was enough to cover her share of the rent for the next three months. A part of her was hoping to convince her friend to move to Bright Moon before then, though she hadn't yet formulated a solid plan on how to do that. They continued on their way, with Scorpia being uncharacteristically quiet, though it would have been hard to get a word in with Entrapta's ultra-caffeinated monologue in full swing. They made it to Bright Moon without incident and Catra maneuvered the truck behind the building that housed Entrapta's new employer. She didn't yet have a place to live, so Hordak had offered her space in the adjoining garage to temporarily store her stuff and didn't seem to mind the idea of her sleeping in the office for the time being. Catra had briefly considered letting Entrapta stay with her, but with her requirement for proper sleep in order to approach normal levels of human decency, and Entrapta's tendency to stay up gaming or watching cartoons all night while blasting dubstep music, it seemed like a terrible plan. As the three of them piled out of the truck, Hordak walked outside and greeted them, even Entrapta, rather stiffly. Catra studied him curiously, wondering what kind of person he truly was. All she knew was what Entrapta had told her, which mostly consisted of excited chatter about some of the tech he was trying to develop. He was tall and well-built with a swoop of deep blue hair that fell across his forehead. In dark jeans and a button-down with the sleeves rolled up, he looked put together, but not too stuffy. And he was very helpful in unloading Entrapta's mishmash of possessions from the back of the truck, seemingly unruffled by her random assortment of boxes and bins. Between him and Scorpia, the small amount of furniture that Entrapta had brought was efficiently stowed inside an empty office, while Catra organized their efforts and kept Entrapta from ditching them in favor of whatever shiny equipment Hordak had inside the building. When they were finally done and Entrapta was stoically enduring yet another of Scorpia's hugs, Catra tugged on her burly friend's sleeve. Come on, Scorp. We still have to unload my stuff before I can feed you and you can get back on the road. Scorpia had generously offered to drive the U-Haul back to Bright Moon and drop it off, and Catra wanted to make sure she didn't get too late to start back. Hordak had already disappeared back inside, quietly excusing himself after suffering through one of Scorpia's hugs with laudable calm. I will see you again, Entrapta was telling Scorpia in a somewhat puzzled tone. You can visit me whenever you want, and we can go get tiny, caffeinated beverages over there. She waved vaguely in the direction of Cloud Wives Cafe. This nearly broke Scorpia, and Catra barely managed to pull her away. Entrapta stood waving for a moment, and then bounced away and into the building. Not that much later, 
Catra and Scorpio were sitting in a booth at Orlandia's Pizza Express, stuffing themselves with some of the best pizza Catra had ever tasted, and taking in the mushroom-heavy decorating theme. To be fair, there was a large poster of dancing pepperoni on one wall, and a central chandelier with tomatoes as light bulbs, but otherwise it was mostly mushrooms as far as the eye could see. When they'd first walked in, Catra had been extremely skeptical. The decor was something else, and the person at the register was wearing a large hat shaped like a mushroom. It looked so bizarre that Catra had snickered loud enough that Scorpia elbowed her. Unfortunately, whenever Scorpia tried to nudge her into good behavior, she nearly knocked her over. This time, Catra staggered forward, caught herself on the counter, and turned to glare at Scorpia. Before they could get into a tussle, the mushroom hat lady said, Welcome to Orlandia's Pizza Express, home of the Maximum Mushroom, with such gusto that even Catra was momentarily stunned into silence. The quiet didn't last long, though, as someone in the back bellowed. Pies ready! Catra peered into the back and saw an ancient-looking woman with thick glasses and a patched dress unloading a large pizza from the oven on a wooden peel. In an impressive demonstration of agility, she whipped around and flung the pizza onto a waiting pan on the counter where it landed perfectly. Whoa! Scorpia muttered, watching the old woman kick the oven door closed with her foot and scurry away out of view. They'd ended up ordering a mushroom and pepperoni pizza, no doubt influenced by the decor. Once Catra had eaten as much as she could handle, she leaned back and sipped on her beer, letting her friend finish the last few slices. I have to say, so far this place has surpassed my expectations with food and beverages. Oh yeah, you are so lucky you can go to such a cute gay coffee shop and eat this pizza whenever you want. I mean, this is some really good stuff. Perfuma told me that the owner grows the mushrooms herself. Perfuma actually supplies some of the other veggies, and there's some local person who makes the cheese. Definitely nothing like that in Fright City. So, Perfuma, huh? Sounds like you had a nice chat with the hippie girl. A light blush dusted Scorpia's cheeks. Oh, she's so sweet. She was telling me all about her shop, and her garden and orchard, and how much she loves the vibe in Bright Moon. She paused and sighed. She offered to show me around town but there wasn't enough time. Why don't you come back in a few weeks? Maybe stay for a weekend? In her head, Catra was already planning how she could loop Perfuma into her plan to lure her friend to Bright Moon. As could have been predicted, Scorpia responded with wild enthusiasm. That's such a great idea, Wildcat. Super pal trio time. As she rambled on about Bright Moon, Perfuma, an undying friendship, Catra half-listened and tried to remember to make affirming sounds at the right times. She was using the rest of her considerable mental power to visualize how she wanted the future to unfold. Chapter 4 Welcome to Bright Moon It was a few weeks after her move to Bright Moon and Catra was exhausted. She'd been busting her ass getting the shop cleaned up and things set up for a bare-bones car repair operation. Thanks to Entrapta, she had surprisingly good Wi-Fi and some of the old machinery that had been left behind actually worked now, including a vehicle lift that she thought could never possibly function again. Now that her tools and some other smaller equipment was unpacked and set up, she'd been able to start doing oil changes and other minor repairs. It was more than enough to keep her busy, 
and she was definitely enjoying the freedom to make her own hours and not have a misogynist shop manager breathing down her neck. The upstairs was still extremely sparse, but at least it was cobweb-free now. And being a minimalist person, she didn't mind all the empty space. However, the creepy shower stall in the tiny bathroom that currently existed upstairs, as well as the extremely old furnace were not quite up to her standards. Entrapta had taken a look at the furnace, but shrugged and said that while she could make some upgrades, Katra probably needed an expert to figure out the most efficient way to heat the living space. One morning as she picked up her coffee, she'd asked Natasha if she had a recommendation for an HVAC person. Natasha dug around in a drawer behind the counter and then handed her a business card. Call Rogilio. He's the best around when it comes to heating and cooling, and he won't rip you off. Also, he may look intimidating, but he's a softer, and also you know, one of the family. Natasa winked surely, and Katra rolled her eyes. Is anyone in Bright Moon not? Family. In response, Natasa just grinned. Later, Katra. The next day, Katra was in front of the shop with a large piece of wood and several cans of spray paint. She'd painted it white several days before, and it was now ready for the actual artwork. This modest piece of wood was destined to be her business sign. She picked up a can of red spray paint and got to work on the logo. A while later, she was totally absorbed in her task. She'd paused and was crouching over the sign, checking out the lines with a critical eye when a voice unexpectedly sounded behind her. That's really cool! She jumped up and whirled on whoever had the audacity to sneak up on her, and realized she had to look down to meet the eyes of a teenager? Did you do this all freehand? Are you an artist? Wait, is this your shop? Katra stood there tongue-tied. She really had no idea how to interact with children or preteens or humans of whatever age this particular human was. Um, hello? Can you talk? Oh wait, are you like one of those artists who took a vow of silence? Hell no. What? Having at least proven that she was capable of speech, Katra scowled and studied the person in front of her. She was shorter than Katra and had a mop of dark, messy hair that had obviously been intentionally styled. That, combined with her dark blue blazer and the skinny tie hanging loosely from the open neck buttoned down brought an image strongly to mind. Before she could censor it, she blurted out, Kalba Bebop! The stranger's eyes lit up. No one here gets my style! I could tell you were cool! She stuck a hand out with almost alarming forcefulness. I'm Frosta. I just moved here last year. The kids here are all so boring. She had no choice but to shake the hand being held out practically under her nose. Katra. And I just moved here a few weeks ago. This is my shop. I do car repairs and restorations. Also custom paintwork. Frosta carefully looked at the sign. Horde Classics. That's badass. Uh, thanks. Wait, shouldn't you be in school right now? Frosta rolled her eyes. Ugh, you sound like my aunt. Katra held up her hands appeasingly. Okay, sorry. None of my business. From inside, the phone started ringing. Katra groaned. She hated answering the phone, but apparently in bright moon people like to call rather than anonymously scheduling appointments online. I'll get it. Frosta shouted and ran inside. She'd already picked up the receiver before Ketra could stop her. 
Horde Classics. How can I help you? Her tone was polite but detached. She listened for a few moments and scrawled some notes on a notepad sitting next to the phone. Sounds great. I'll let her know. Then she hung up the phone as Catra stood by, feeling a combination of annoyed and impressed. That was Rogilio. He said he'll come by tomorrow around 1 p.m. Thanks, I guess. Can I hang out here for a while? You can't touch anything. She got another eye roll. I'm not a baby. Fine, whatever. I need to finish my sign. You can't distract me. I won't. Catra started to walk away, then paused and turned back, continuing in a more conciliatory tone. You can answer the phone if it rings. If you want. I don't care. Aren't you running a business? Isn't it kind of important to answer your phone? Listen, kid. This is me trying to be nice. I'm not super great at it. Yeah, you kind of suck at it. Having been embarrassingly and accurately burned by a teenager, Catra stomped off, more than ready to immerse herself in painting. The next day, shortly after noon, Frosta appeared again. This time, she had a backpack slung over one shoulder, and she'd seated herself at the desk before Catra had time to protest. I'm gonna work on my homework, but I can answer the phone if it rings. Catra was trying to finish up an oil change before Rogilio showed up and didn't have time to question the situation. Sure, whatever. They mutually ignored each other for a while. Frosta had pulled out a textbook and was reading through it, occasionally writing something in a notebook. By the time Rogilio got there, Catra had finished up and moved the customer's car outside for pickup. Frosta had answered the phone once and scheduled an appointment for a paint touch-up, managing to make a snide comment about Catra's lack of a scheduling system. Give me a break, kid, I just opened. I don't even have all my equipment yet. Do you even have a computer? Of course I have a fucking computer. Shit, I probably shouldn't say. Fuck. In front of you. This eye roll of frost was the most impressive yet. If you had a computer, I could set up a scheduling program for you. Is something wrong with my current extremely sophisticated scheduling system? She asked with a smirk. Frosta refused to be baited. You mean this ragged notebook that's half doodles? The response that Catra was about to make was no doubt inappropriate for a teenager who she barely knew, so it was good that Rogilio walked through the door at that moment. She abruptly turned her back on Frosta and went over to shake Rogilio's hand. After doing a walkthrough of the upstairs and taking a look at the furnace, Rogilio had left, telling her he'd have a quote in a couple days. He also recommended a plumber to help her with the bathroom upgrade. Some guy with the odd name Seahawk. With that business concluded, Catra found herself initiating a conversation with the teenager, who was still sitting at the desk. She was starting to like the little punk, but also felt that as the adult in this situation, she should probably do some kind of check-in about where the kid came from. So, you mentioned your aunt before. Is that who you live with? Yeah, my aunt and uncle. And my cousin too, though I think she's way too old to still live with her parents. And their names are? She got a cool stare in return. Listen, kid. Not a kid. Fine. Whatever. The point is that if you want to keep hanging out here, I need some information. I don't give a fuck if you're skipping school, and if a truant officer comes by I'll pretend we've never met. 
Frosta sat up a little, looking hopeful, and Katra continued. Just answer a few questions and we can be done with this conversation. Whatever. What do you want to know? Tell me about the family you live with. My Aunt Angela, who's the mayor of this town, and her husband, my Uncle Micah. And my cousin Glimmer. She's their only kid, and she's gotta be your age. She works for my aunt doing, like, PR for the town or something? Wait, that shimmer person is related to you? My old roommate was always showing me her blog posts when she was trying to convince me to move here. Frosta snickered at the word shimmer. Yeah, she's online a lot. She's okay, I guess. She is at least trying to make Bright Moon a cooler place. So no one is going to claim that I kidnapped you or something, right? I don't want to get on the mayor's bad side or anything. No, my aunt and uncle are really nice. She paused and continued in an ear mumble. Can I please keep hanging out here? Sure, kid. I guess I could use some help with scheduling. Maybe I could get a tablet? That works. Having both reached their limit on personal conversation for the moment, Katra drifted away to take care of her next task. When Frosta showed up the next day wearing a bandana very similar to Katra's, the mechanic clocked it and smiled to herself, but was savvy enough not to mention it. Somehow it made sense that her first friend in Bright Moon was an angsty teen. Adora flopped down on her couch with a groan. Her latest shift had been an extended battle with a warehouse fire that just wouldn't quit. She'd actually gotten to go inside the building to do a sweep for occupants this time instead of being relegated to hose duty. Which had been extra awesome because she'd gotten to break down a door with her axe. To be fair, if she hadn't tripped Dave and jumped in with the other guys before he could recover, that would not have happened. As the only woman in the department, she was used to getting passed over for anything exciting. Even though she was in better shape than a lot of the guys, they still had a tendency to treat her like some frail princess. At least now they knew to keep their mouths shut. On her second day, one of the older guys had eyed her up and down, snorted, and said, Welcome to the team, Barbie. He followed it up by smacking her on the ass. In response, she punched him hard enough to fracture his jaw. It hadn't exactly helped establish a sense of camaraderie. Some of the guys were legitimately her friends now at least, and most of the others had at least thought once they'd realized she worked harder than almost anyone. Others were impressed by the series of attractive women she dated and gave her props for that, which she was both thankful for and grossed out by. Lately, though, she was feeling stuck. Eternia was a large enough city that the fire department stayed busy, but she knew the culture at her work was too ingrained to ever allow her to rise up the ranks. So, she'd started looking for positions in other cities, hoping that there was somewhere she might fit in better. Checking her phone now, she found an email alert from one of the job search sites. She scrolled through the listings, most of which seemed less interesting than what she was doing now. The last one sounded like a supervisory position though, so she clicked on it to see the full details. The more she read, the better it sounded. More responsibility, higher pay, a very solid non-discrimination policy. But wait, it was in Bright Moon. Oh, that explained it. Ever since moving away in high school, she'd refused to ever go back. She hadn't hated it there exactly. She'd had a lot of fun with her brother in school. Hadn't been terrible. But it was where what she thought was a stable family fell apart. When her parents had announced they were divorcing, 
she'd been shocked. Looking back, there had been signs, but teenage Adora was caught completely off guard. Then, their parents had wanted to arrange a custody agreement that would have split up the twins. Both Adora and Adam had fought against that idea with such ferocity that their parents had relented. Instead, they had moved to adjacent cities, and the twins traveled back and forth between their parents' new homes. College and careers had eventually split the twins up, but a move to Bright Moon would at least bring her back within reasonable driving distance of where her brother and his wife lived in the coastal city of Salinas. She looked through the job listing again, and after a moment of her finger hovering over the screen, finally pressed the button to submit her resume. It was probably a long shot anyway, so she wouldn't get her hopes up. Katra was sitting at her workbench doing some sketches for a new design. From upstairs, she could hear Seahawks singing to himself and the occasional thud or crash as he worked. His loud personality had made her initially suspicious of his ability to get work done, but she'd been grudgingly impressed by his progress so far. When Seahawk had arrived on the first day and seen her car parked conspicuously out front, he had, as Frosta had later described, flipped his shit. Once she'd been able to get him to stop gushing over her car and shaking her hand with unnecessary enthusiasm, he asked if she did custom artwork. His truck was a vintage Ford Bronco that he told her was called the Dragon's Daughter for. Catra was about to ask about numbers one through three, but behind Seahawk's back, Frosta was shaking her head violently and slashing her arms through the air. So instead, she'd abruptly turned and started towards the staircase, gesturing to him to follow. Once he had taken measurements and looked at the existing plumbing, he departed and said he would be back by the end of the week with a quote for the work. Once he was gone, Frosta told her that once he started on his dragon's daughter rant, he would continue going for a minimum of 12 minutes, though the longest time clocked in at 23. This was apparently to the scrawny bartender Kyle who was both a captive audience and too passive to tell Seahawk to shut up. Katra had been to the Crimson Waste a couple times already, and had met Kyle. Considering he'd once flinched so hard he almost stumbled when she snapped at him for trying to put a lemon in her gin and tonic when she'd asked for a lime, she could easily imagine him unable to stop Seahawk's jolly, unending monologue. Katra also texted those details to Entrapta who she knew was collecting data about Bright Moon. The response she got back called the information interesting and quantifiable. Katra, do you think you can get him to beat that time? Entrapta, this would be an amusing challenge. It was Entrapta's equivalent of LOL. Now, a couple weeks later, Rogelio had finished installing the new furnace and ductwork and Seahawk was almost finished with his portion of the bathroom remodel. Thankfully the downstairs had a half bath, so she wasn't completely screwed during the mayhem that Seahawk called his process. He'd assured her that everything would look great at the end, but it was hard to believe at this stage. But for at least a few more days, she was stuck showering at the gym. The gym where she now had a membership. It had never been her intention to join a gym. She'd gone with Scorpia to her gym in Fright City a few times, but the overly bright lighting and sweaty dudes and douchey tank tops always left her feeling annoyed and rageful. Scorpia was a part-time personal trainer so she was seemingly immune to that bad juju. Being built like a freight train and having a super gay hairstyle didn't hurt either. She didn't yet know anyone in town well enough to ask to shower at their place, 
and Entrapta was currently living in the garage behind Hordak's business. Catra assumed that Entrapta had access to a bathroom, but didn't want to ask too many questions. She'd even considered the idea of starting a brief fling with someone just to get access to their shower, but couldn't muster up the energy. So, the gym was the best option. The first day, she'd successfully snuck in, made it to the locker room, showered, and snuck back out without, she thought, anyone noticing. The next day, though, her stealth failed her. Everything seemed to be going according to plan, but this time, on the way out of the locker room she slammed right into someone. It was like hitting a wall. She staggered back a step and was about to apologize when she looked up and saw an absolute behemoth of a woman staring down at her, arms tightly crossed. Hey there, kiddo. Katra reeled. She was already physically off balance and being called kiddo was something that sent red spots of rage dancing at the edge of her vision. But this woman was even bigger than Scorpia. She decided to try for indifferent politeness. Um, hello? Sorry to bump into you like that. Have a great day. She tried to dodge to the side and escape, but the stranger slid in front of her again. I'm Hontera. Nice to meet you. This time, she threw in a slow smirk, figuring being a little seductive couldn't hurt. There was no appreciable response from Huntera. I own this gym. Katra's next move would normally be intimidation, but she knew that would be pointless in this case. It seems like a nice place. It is. And use of this place comes with a fee. So why don't we talk about membership options? Thus, Katra was the newest member of the gym. When she'd asked about the name, Huntera said that wordplay was stupid and things should just be called what they were. She was too intimidating for Katra to make a snarky reply about how hipster the name actually was. Now, Katra sat back and admired her finished sketches. She'd created several slightly different options based on Seahawk's request for something nautical and majestic. Frosta popped up to stare over her shoulder. Those look good. Seahawk will flip. Before she could respond, there was a shout from above them, and then a thin cloud of smoke started drifting down the staircase. Katra leapt up, grabbed a fire extinguisher, and bounded up the stairs. In the bathroom, she found Seahawk coughing with a smoking cardboard box next to him, and a pool of water on the floor. What the hell? I am deeply sorry to cause any alarm. It seems I got a bit too exuberant with my soldering. She did another quick look to make sure there were no visible flames, and satisfied that there was no immediate danger, lowered the fire extinguisher. The distance between the pipes he was welding and the empty cardboard box seemed impossibly far for any errant sparks to travel. Maybe he was a firebender. Just make sure you clean all of this up. And when you leave today, everything flammable leaves with you. Of course, a thousand apologies. I will have everything shipshape in no time. Katra started to walk down the stairs and stopped, tossing one last comment over her shoulder. Oh, I finished the design for your truck. But the price just went up. For the emotional toll of your presence. Seahawk's shoulders hunched and he stroked his mustache disconsolately. Entirely fair. Back downstairs, Frosta snickered and then informed her. I called Mermista. She's coming by to collect him and make sure he didn't actually damage anything. Wait, who is Mermista? His girlfriend. But she'll never admit it, even though they've been dating for years. 
She owns the water park. Doesn't he work there? Mostly there, but also other places. So the pseudo-pirate plumber is basically dating his boss. This town is so weird. You're telling me. Knowing that he was in trouble, Seahawk had carefully and quietly cleaned up the mess and had his tools packed up by the time Mermista arrived. Catra wasn't exactly sure what she was expecting. Maybe some weird pirate wench vibe, or a surfer girl, which somehow seemed oddly fitting for a small-town water park owner. But when a bright blue convertible screeched to a halt in the parking lot, all her assumptions were quickly blown out of the water. The woman who sauntered in was curvy and gorgeous in tight jeans, a tailored jacket over a loose-fitting t-shirt, and high-top sneakers that matched her car. Catra's eyebrows raised. This was who the Seahawk was dating. The newcomer stopped just inside the doorway and gave Catra a slow once-over. Her expression stayed neutral, but there was a spark of appreciation in her eyes. Then they landed on a Seahawk who was huddled awkwardly to the side, and they narrowed. Go wait in the car. Do not touch anything. Catra held in her snicker, but Frosta didn't bother. Mustache drooping, Seahawk slunk away. That was impressive, Catra said as she offered her hand. I'm Catra. Mermista. Their handshake lasted a beat longer than necessary and Mermista was the first to drop her gaze. I'm glad someone bought this place. It's been empty since I moved here. And Seahawk hasn't shut up about your custom artwork for weeks now. Sorry about him, by the way. The man has a talent for accidental arson. There was no damage, so it's all good. I heard you own a water park. What's that like? Mermista's tone remained disinterested as she answered, but there was a small smile playing at the corner of her mouth. It's chilly. My dad actually bought the property intending to tear everything down, but I convinced him to let me renovate it instead. A water park is way more fun than some boring condos or whatever. I have to admit, I'm not super into water. But maybe I'll come by sometime and check it out. Her final statement was punctuated by a flirtatious smile. The tiniest of smirks crossed Mermista's face. You should. Call before you come by and make sure I'm there. I'll give you the special tour. Somehow her words sounded bored and laced with innuendo at the same time. She pulled a business card from her pocket and passed it to Catra. Thanks. I'll be by. That special tour sounds interesting. Mermista just flipped her braid back and turned to go. Right before she crossed the threshold, she said over her shoulder, Make sure to wear your swimsuit. Catra just grinned and watched her make her way slowly to her car. Once she and Seahawk had driven off, Catra turned to Frosta, flicking the business card with one finger. Are you sure she's dating the pirate plumber? First of all, that was gross to watch. Get a room next time. And second, that's what Glimmer told me, so believe it or not. Guess what? Catra said in a sing-song tone, crossing over to the younger girl. Frosta refused to respond. On Friday we're taking a mandatory work trip to the water park. The only response to this proclamation was a massive eye roll. 